Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? The show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hoover. Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? My name is Maya Huber, and I'm the host of What Was Her Name? I'm really excited for this episode today. I have Cassandra Spear here with me. Um, Cassandra, if you want to go ahead and say hi. Hi, everyone. Maya, it's a privilege to be here with you. Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, just a little backstory. I had purchased, um, so Cassandra Spear, she's a best-selling author of Her True Worth, Um I actually purchased this book and I was reading it. And as I was reading it, I was like, man, this is hitting all the areas that I need to continue to, to work on in my own life, um, understanding my worth and my value. And so I'd reached out to Cassandra to see if she would be interested in coming on the podcast. And here we are. So it's pretty cool, pretty crazy how the podcast just, uh, brings me to so many amazing, amazing people. So, uh, as Maya said, I'm Cassandra Spear, and I am the co-author and co-leader of a ministry called Her True Worth, and we wrote a book called Her True Worth, Breaking Free from a Culture of Selfies, Side Hustles, and People-Pleasing to Embrace Our True Identity in Christ. And the book's mission is very much aligned with the mission of our ministry. Uh, we Primarily, you know, we started out as a online community, just writing bite-sized devotionals and pointing women to all the places that we look for our worth and our identity, you know, and in all the wrong places. And yet, you know, there's so much little that we can do online because those little squares are very limited. And so we wrote this book because we wanted women to learn how to live securely from their worth instead of living for their worth. And you can't write a book or even co-lead a ministry. Um, Brittany and I, Brittany is my co-author and the founder of Her True Worth. We can't write a book about our worth and value if we haven't felt worthless and felt like our lives didn't have value. And so that's something that we're very tender in and very uh, careful to tread on those tender places in our stories because we want to be able to get there. We want to be able to point to that pain and and point our readers to the promises and and point them to the healing that we ourselves have found in Jesus. Yeah, I love that. I think um, I think all of us kind of go through seasons where we really struggle with our worth and our value and finding it in things other than, other than God. And I think, uh, there was a, a part to your book. I think it was like more so in the beginning where, um, there was a list and you identified like worldly ways in which we tend to measure our worth and our value. And, I know that people who are listening and me and Cassandra were talking about this a little bit before we got on, um, is just that like, I know that there are people listening who are Christian and there are people listening who aren't and, um, that's okay. Right. And we talk about this. I feel like every episode I keep coming on and I'm like, it's okay. Like, I'm not going to like 
this space is not to condemn you. This space is not to force you to believe something, but a lot of people come here to learn um, and to equip themselves to cultivate a life that a life that they love, a future that's ahead of them. And so I think that um, there's a lot of people listening who do feel very broken, who do feel very lost, um, including myself at one point in time. And still I'm trying to figure out very much of uh, what's ahead. And I think that it's really easy to get caught up in like measuring our worth in worldly tools um, and maybe not even realizing that we're doing it because um, the world, I think, uh, sort of recommends that for us. I think that all over, whether it's Instagram or TikTok and um, YouTube, there's just so much um, with media, I think, like telling us like what to try, what to do, how to look um, what to purchase, like the next, like coolest TikTok thing to buy. And I think it can be really, really hard to not measure our worth and value in like worldly ways. Um, I'd love for you just to kind of like talk about that list, um, or ways in which like maybe people don't realize they could be measuring their worth and their value, but could be a way maybe that could help others identify where they may be measuring their worth. Absolutely. You know, it's impossible to talk about where our worth is without talking about and addressing all the things that our worth and our identity aren't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your worth and value and your identity isn't found in our work. It's not in our roles or our responsibilities. It's not in the size of our genes or in the way that people perceive us. It's not in our tax bracket, the money that we make, the popularity that we achieve, the success and achievements, or even our greatest failures. None of those things are our worth and value, but those are measuring sticks that we tend to use by a worldly standard. And the thing about that is, is that if we are to measure our worth as a human being, whether you're a Christian or not, if you're going to measure your worth and your value in those things, then you are going to chase after it. You're going to be at war for your worth, living for it instead of living securely from it. Because the same cost that you're going to pay to find your worth in your work or your weight or the way people perceive you or people's approval and validation or relationships. If you put your worth in those things, you have committed yourself to paying that price for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And the good news is that our greatest and worst moments, our achievements and our failures, our relationships and our friendships, all of those things will never actually measure your worth as a human being or your identity because it was never in those things to begin with. And if we keep using the measuring sticks that the world tells us to use, our measurements are always going to come short Mm -hmm. because those measuring sticks were never intended to sustain and achieve worth, but rather to chase it for the rest of our lives. Yeah. I love that you said we're at war for our worth. Um, I think that's so good and like so spot on because I think, um, like you said, like we don't find our worth and our value in, in things. Right. But it's like really difficult to, when you continue to, uh, 
chase after these worldly things, um, it sort of becomes this like insidious cycle, I think, um, where you kind of don't know how to to release yourself from it. And I think um, that really starts with like knowing like where we can find our worth, right? Um, where our worth comes from, who determines our worth and our value. Um, yeah. You said something uh, that I had like uh, highlighted here. And you said like, if um, ask yourself, uh, if God were to take away this thing, I identify with tomorrow, how would it affect me? Would I be okay? Would you touch on that just a little bit? Because I think this is this is really good. And I remember reading this and being like, oof, and then putting myself in this scenario and being like, yeah, I think that there's a couple of things where I'm, I am like, my worth and my value is residing in these areas that I didn't even realize. And if God were to take this thing away tomorrow, I would struggle. And I had to realize, okay, like I need to reevaluate where I am finding my worth and my value. Absolutely. So I think it's really important for us to realize that we all create little gods, whether we intend to or not, and idols out of these things that we're finding our identity boosters from, right? Like we're getting a hit of dopamine every time someone likes something that we post or we get a new follower or we get someone's approval. We're looking for affirmation in these things. And sometimes whether, and, and, and not all, not all good things are God things. And, and none of these things are inherently evil, but what's important, and it's not always detrimental either. What's important is to remember that sometimes good things can become God things in our mind. And when we allow those things to rule and reign over our lives, we displace our value. We, we then are chasing our value in these things. And so there's something called affirmation addiction. And, and what it is, is that you are simply chasing after this particular thing. It can be a person. It can be an achievement. It can be a relationship or a role, a title, any one of those things. But the main thing that it has in common is that if that thing, person, relationship, role, any of those things is taken away from you and you don't know who you are without it, it may be an affirmation addiction problem. You may be dealing with a idol in your life and you may have misplaced your identity, your sense of wholeness and worth in something that was never intended to hold that weight and responsibility. And that's a lot to process. But I think it's important that we recognize and realize that affirmation was given to us and to be affirmed is to be approved of, to be encouraged, to be supported. That's a God-given desire. But we have to be careful that we don't allow that desire to rule and reign over our lives. Because the truth of the matter is, sometimes relationships end. Jobs are gone. Health deteriorates. All of these things change. But God alone remains the same. And and when we misplace our identity in all of these things, we are giving ourselves a constant life of uncertainty and we're 
afraid. We're addicted, constantly looking to these things that will never sustain us. They'll never fulfill us. Yeah. And I think like, um, there was like a period of time. I was just thinking while you were talking about, you know, people who are listening, um, who may be asking that question or maybe thinking, well, like I'm just, they don't believe in God and they don't have necessarily a relationship with God, obviously. And so they are kind of like, well, while I'm on this earth, I'm going to just satisfy my hunger through like worldly pleasures and desires. And thinking about like, there was a period of time in my life where, um, despite being raised in the church, like I walked away from the church when I was in college. And, uh, I remember just always feeling unsatisfied and like that thing that I was always chasing, like these like little addiction affirmation, affirmation addictions, like it, it was like, it really was just this continuous cycle of not being fulfilled and always wondering like, why do I not feel fulfilled? Um, and it was because like that party always ended or that alcohol always faded off or that relationship ended, you know, or this goal that I had didn't actually fulfill me once I got to that point, um, or whatever it may be. And I remember like coming back to the Lord and just feeling so much peace, but also feeling so full in him. Um, and that's something that like, I just like, so desire for people who are listening, because I know that there are a lot of people listening who probably feel very unsatisfied in their lives. And I think part of that is because that was never meant to, to gratify you in the first place, um, because it didn't make you, it didn't create you. And, um, what did create you right is like where we find our worth and our value is in God and who he says that we are. Um, and I think that's a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people who are probably listening, who are like, why God, like, why, why should I choose God? But I think, uh, I think this is like an important part to highlight because I think there are a lot of people, no matter where you're walking right now in life, like you feel probably unsatisfied. Um, and I think it's, I don't know what, what you think, like listening to that, but I think it's, I guess just like a little, when you're talking, I'm like, I feel like there's going to be like a disconnect here from the people who are listening, who are, they're like, what's so, what's so bad about finding my worth and value in, uh, in like other things? Because I think they think that like life is so temporary and that Mm -hmm. really after this, does that make sense? No, it does. And I mean, I've, I've wondered the same thing. I just, you know, some of the listeners might be more holy than I am, but I'm, I'm, I know myself a little too well to think too highly of my intentions. And I've had that same thought process, honestly, Maya, that, you know, I didn't come to know Jesus until I was in my early, I was early adulthood. I was 20 years old. And I remember, you know, just longing to feel worthwhile. I, you know, I felt like I was a waste of the space that I took in this world. And I grew up feeling as though my life, my existence was an inconvenience and that I was hard to love. And it's just, you know, I grew up thinking that love was earned. And the the truth is, you know, I understand people who ask that question and who 
are skeptical or wondering, you know, what is wrong with finding myself in, in other things? Why Jesus? Why God? And and I get it because I've asked that same question when I was younger and when I didn't know God. And I didn't come to know a life-saving awareness, a soul-anchoring truth of who I was in Christ until I was already an adult. So I had lived a lot and I had hurt a lot of people and I had experienced a lot of pain and trauma that I'm still working through as a 33-year-old woman. And, you know, the thing about it is we are all valuable and imperfect. And the problem with trying to find our worth and our identity and our sense of security and safety and, and, you know, all of these things, we can't find it in these external things because it's found from having an eternal purpose. God's plan for all of us is to know him, be known by him and make him known. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross so that while we were still sinners, which means while I was trifling and while I was making poor choices with my life, while I was acting out of shame and pain, I was chasing my worth in all the wrong places. And yet Jesus found me. And while I was still a sinner, Christ died on the cross for me. And that's true of you too. If you're listening and you're hearing my voice, you know, something that I really doesn't set what right with me when I see on social media is all of these messages that say you are enough. We're, we know, we know ourselves too well to know that in our own strength will never be enough. But in Isaiah, it tells us in Isaiah 64, 6. So this is Old Testament. If if you guys have a Bible, look this up. And it talks about the fact that our enoughness is not equivalent to God's goodness and his righteousness and his holiness. That our best efforts are but filthy rags compared to God's glory. But what a relief to know that our best and worst moments don't define our worth and our identity and our hope. It's not in us, but in him. And he will never change. He remains the same. And he has the receipts of what he purchased on Calvary. And he has no buyer's remorse. Hmm. Wow, that's so good. I think it's... really powerful. And I think it's, um, kind of ties into, um, you know, if those who are listening are like, okay, so I'm finding my worth and value in things that aren't really fulfilling me. Now what? Now I'm going to release them or I'm going to give them up. Um, you talk about something called an identity crisis. I'd love for you to kind of touch on this. There's several places throughout the book that I talk about identity crisis. Is there one in particular that you have in mind? Yeah. um, You talk about how like in the beginning, like 
uh, refining our worth and value in these in these things, and then we end up releasing them. And then typically we go through an like an identity crisis. Um, <clears throat> and then you talk about replacing lies with truth. So what to do? When, oh yeah, yeah. So that is that is talking about our freedom framework. And so what that is is actually an area that my co-author, ministry partner, and founder of Her True Worth, our ministry, Brittany wrote about the freedom framework and what that looks like to counteract lies with truth. And basically, this is a very practical thing. And if you have either your iPhone with your notes app or a pen and paper in front of you, you can write this down and return to it. The concept of the freedom framework is to identify a lie because what's important is that we have a very real enemy and Satan hates us. The enemy of our soul wants to steal our joy, kill our hope and destroy us. And so he does this because he knows that he can deceive us and he knows enough truth that he can give us a lie and we will buy it. We'll buy the lie. So what do we do with this? How do we, how do we counteract these things that we found our worth in that are the wrong places? Well, first and foremost, you ask yourself this question, as you said, Maya, is there something in my life that if, it was to be taken away, I would feel lost without it. Odds are most of us, the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Or you can also ask this, you can ask, am I finding my worth and value in anything right now? So for Brittany, she was finding her worth and her value in her weight. And she felt as though to weigh less was to be worth more, which is a lie from the pit of hell. But that is something that is something she truly believed. It was a false belief. And so she wrote it down in the freedom framework. She walks through this in our book and she identifies, well, what is my, what is my value? Where do I find it? If it's not in what I look like, then how is it that I act on this lie? And you can write down what's the lie. And then you write down how I act on this lie. With Brittany, it was through ED, having an eating disorder, excessive exercise. She was dealing with a lot of self-isolation because she was ashamed of her appearance. She was avoiding the mirror, she was avoiding being in pictures, which meant she was isolating herself from having relationship friendships. She was dealing with a deep insecurity about her weight, and she was putting her worth in that. And it affected her life in a, in a dramatic way. And so you can write down how I act on this lie or false belief, how it affects my life. And then practically, for her, what is the truth? Well, the truth is that she knows that she is fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's in Psalms 139, 13 through 14. How does she act on that truth? Well, she's taking hold of this lie and she's going to counteract by acting on this truth that she's fearfully and wonderfully made by taking care of her body and glorifying God with it. 
And the Holy Spirit dwells within us. That's 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. And so she was taking a hold of the lie by acknowledging that she was living for her worth through her weight. And then she is living out the truth that her weight does not determine her worth. And how this affects her life is she lives free. She lives free from the opinions of others. She lives free from hiding from the scale or the mirror. And she knows her true identity is hidden in Christ, Colossians 3.3. This is a healing experience because now she's able to accept her body for where it's at, nourish it, and strengthen it, and stop fighting with it as an enemy, and start treating her body as a vessel. And, and, and really and truly, at the end of the day, she stops hating herself, hating what God has made. So this can play out. It might not be your weight for you, but you can sit down and you can have some reflective time and ask yourself, if God was to take X away, would I be okay? If the answer is no, walk through the freedom framework. Walk through what I just talked to you about because you will find so much freedom and you're going to find that you may for a season wrestle with your worth with that particular false belief. But ultimately, you will find that you will be free, but you cannot be free if you do not define the lie. People need to be able to define what the lie is first and identify that before they're able to like remove that from their life. Exactly. It's just like I said earlier, you can't find your worth without tackling all the reasons why you feel worthless. You have to identify the pain point before you can find the promise before you can find the freedom. Our denial delays our healing when we avoid, which I'm a trauma survivor. I'm a survivor of abuse. Like I understand it. I've done prolonged exposure. Disassociation and avoidance is like my bread and butter sister. Like I get why we do these things, but if we don't identify the lies, we'll never find freedom from it. Right. Right. Um, I wanted to just transition a tiny bit. Um, I know that people who are listening to this have not read your book yet. You should, if you are listening to this, um, but, uh, you, there's a chapter on the prodigal daughter, um, and you say like wounded and wandering is kind of like the title of it. And, um, there's something in here that I wanted to touch base on, um, that I think ties into this, um, you talk about how like um you stopped taking this Jesus thing so seriously and your eyes were clouded and ears only heard the screaming temptations of your flesh. And then you talk about lies that you listen to. You say um that these are the lies that you listen to, um, gossip about this person because you don't want people to like her more than they like you. Lie or exaggerate in ways that benefit you, drink alcohol to drown out your feelings. Do whatever is necessary to be the most beautiful woman in the room because being highly desirable equals worthiness. Um, and you say, because my eyes were off of Jesus, the world and opinions of others became the source of my satisfaction. Gratifying the desires of my flesh became as easy as breathing. And you talk about how your worth was all tangled up in it. Um, and I really liked this because I think that, I think that it's really 
when you're wandering away from God, I think sometimes we don't even realize like the thoughts in our head, they just feel like it's as, it's as much as just breathing day in and day out. You don't really think about how you're breathing and how your lungs are supporting your breath. But it's the same thing. I think with thoughts, sometimes we don't realize like what, what thoughts are in our head and what we're allowing in our mind and what is kind of like ruminating in there and living in there. Um, I'd love for you just to kind of touch on that a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's, it's human nature. And I love that part of the book because Brittany wrote primarily most of this chapter and Brittany really does get to the gist of what it's like to live fully convinced that other people's opinions matter most. And Brittany and I are both recovering people pleasers and we both have dealt with similar struggles like what she described. And and what I find so interesting is that it does somewhat become as easy as breathing to, to live in that way of not seeking first the kingdom of God, not seeking the better for others, but seeking myself above others, not viewing other women as sisters, but rather as competition. You know, it's so easy to fall into the patterns of drowning out our feelings and numbing out our pain. And something that's so important that you really did point to is like, we don't realize all of this filth, all of this shame, all of this pain that we're carrying that's ruminating within us Mm -hmm. because we've come so comfortable and familiar with it. And because everyone else around us more often than not is also living and participating in this same way, it becomes normalized. And Mm -hmm. so you don't even realize that this is a problem. And that's why it's so important to take captive our thoughts. And what that basically means, and that's a reference to 2 Corinthians 10.5 for all my notebook girlies who like to write notes. That is basically, if you feel and hear a thought, start calling into question your motives and your actions internally. Take those thoughts captive and address them instead of allowing yourself to just believe that this person's a threat to me. So I need to talk badly about them so that other people will see me in a better light. And that's just an example of many, but it's really important to do because we don't realize that we're buying into so many lies and so much harmful behavior that we've internalized as truth. And it's not, mm-hmm. and it's quite dangerous to ourselves and others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for those who are listening, it can also be correlated to even just lies spoken over you in an abusive relationship. Uh, and then, you know, you began to hook yourself onto these and that sort of became the maybe unintentionally the uh, filter in the lens that you see yourself through um, and not even realizing that you're coming into agreement with things that God never said about you. That is not have anything to do with who you are or what God has placed inside of you. Um, I think in the last, I would say year or so, that's really been a big thing for me is like my mind and just realizing like what thoughts that I am entertaining in my mind that don't align with God that I've actually come into agreement with. 
And what that means coming into agreement with something is like, it's clearly a lie. It's not something that is from God. It's not something that's true, but I am by continuing to like, accept this thought in my mind, I am like shaking hands with it and agreeing to this thought and saying, yeah, that is who I am. Or yeah, maybe I am a failure. Maybe I did. I'm a failure because I'm like a single mom. Right. Or, um, I like had to move in back with my parents because now I have to like rebuild my life after my abusive marriage. Like, and I'm a failure. Like, let's use that as an example. That's a thought that comes into my mind. And there came a point where I came into an agreement with that thought and actually found some of my worth and my value and was, was struggling to find worth and value because I had come into agreement with this thought about myself that was not even true, but it was dictating even the way that like my life was the trajectory of my life, the relationships that I was choosing, the friendships that I was picking, the jobs that I was entertaining, you know, like it affected everything. And it was kind of this, like just this domino effect. Wow. Yeah. It's it, thank you first and foremost for your courage and your vulnerability. I just don't take it lightly. And I appreciate you putting words to that for you personally, because it is so relatable for so many of us, especially victims of domestic violence, especially people who have endured childhood trauma and sexual assault of any kind, it is really easy for us to fall into a pattern of false belief without ever questioning it. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Sometimes we're afraid to confront the lie, or maybe it's just much easier to believe that we're worthless or that we're hard to love or fill in the blank. Sometimes it's easier to believe that and ignore the lie than it is the work to confront it because confronting it can be painful. Healing can be hard, but it's hard and holy work. And God is faithful to heal the brokenhearted and bind up our wounds. That's Psalms 147.3. And it is one of my favorite scriptures. Hmm. Um, I think that this, I mean, you can tell me what you think, but I, I think this kind of ties into, you talked about in the book, um, you and Brittany wired to change, um, and kind of, I know that a lot of people who are in therapy right now, um, you're working through like the, those like neural pathways and, and rewiring the brain. Um, but I think that you talk about this a little bit in your book as well. And I think this ties into like our thought process and the way, like the thoughts that we're entertaining that affect like us recognizing our worth and value. Do you want to touch on that a little bit? Absolutely. So the thing about breaking free is that we are daily at war for our worth. We have a very real enemy. If you're a Christian, you believe that you have an adversary, an enemy of your soul. And every day you are going to have reminders and accusations and shame and lies spoken over you either directly or indirectly. And what's important for us is that we need to remember that it takes about 21 days to form a new habit. And it's really something that encourages me when trying to combat 
the unhealthy coping mechanisms that I have dealt with as someone who has been diagnosed with CPTSD. Um, I have a very high ACE score. I don't know if you're familiar with um, adverse childhood experiences, um, what that score is, but um, it basically is, it's almost the highest that it can be. And I have really encountered a lot of really unhealthy coping mechanisms that I've done that it's caused me to have a lot of hard work ahead of me Mm. to combat those really unhelpful and unhealthy coping mechanisms. But we are, we are wired to change. And so it takes, I think it's five five positive words. And I might, you know, I'm not, I've got my Google doctorate, you know, I'm uh, Googling everything, but I'm fairly certain it takes five positive words to counteract one negative word. So it's very interesting, you know, that it does feel like an uphill battle because it is, but we are wired to change and we are capable of change. And we can't do it in and of ourselves, but, you know, we have all these great resources like therapy, counselors, and we have books that will come alongside us in our journey to healing. And it's just, you know, to me personally, I couldn't have imagined that I would be able to overcome all of the adversity, all of the abuse and the abandonment and the pain. Had I not had Jesus, I don't think it would have impossible therapy also this and therapy this and a supportive group of people because change is an intentional choice and in order to do that sometimes we need help and god is faithful to heal us but we also have to acknowledge that we're wounded Mm -hmm. in order to get there and that's hard work yeah Yeah, I think, um, and I think it's, it's also, um, it's difficult to admit that you're wounded. Um, and I think there's a lot of people here who are wounded and they recognize they're wounded at this point, but I think they, um, I don't know. I think they kind of, I've heard, I hear this a lot. People who are like, what, how are you still a Christian after going through abuse? Or like, I mean, I don't know your story entirely, but obviously, but it sounds like you had some like childhood. I know you said like neglect and then um, abandonment issues and maybe abuse as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that question is at the forefront of people's minds. That is like, you know, how could such bad things happen? And um, how could a good God allow for such bad things to happen? And so recognizing that you're wounded, I think I know for a lot of people listening is easy at this point, um, but it's being able to, I think, see through that woundedness and realize that and be able to come to like a clear understanding that God didn't inflict that and that that was never, like that wasn't God's intention. Like God didn't, God didn't intend for them to be abused. God didn't intend for you to be neglected. Like that's out of his like good plans. And I think it's, it's really difficult for people who are listening because they, 
they um, correlate God with like, you know, bad things that happen. And so they're like, yeah, I'm wounded, but like, I'm not going to entrust that woundedness to somebody who could have stopped me from being wounded in the first place. Wow. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I've been there and I am there a Mm -hmm. lot. You know, I, (laughs) I like to think of myself as a fairly mature believer, having been following uh, God and having become a Christian at 20 and I'm 33, but I wish I could tell you that that gets easier, but in my experience, it is hard still to this day. You know, we have a hard time. I have a hard time reconciling a good God, a holy God, a just God, when life is not good or just or fair. And something that's really been an anchor for me is the scripture is Romans 8, 28. And I think that Christians can often misunderstand or misinterpret uh, this scripture. And it is that all things work according to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose and i just want to acknowledge that not all things are going to be good or feel good life is not always good to us life can be unfair and i live in that tension and i understand that question but i think it's important and what's been helpful to me is to remember that God does work all things for the good, but that does not mean that it will feel good mm-hmm. or that it will look good. And God does not co-sign and endorse abuse. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who is listening, who has been in a church, who has ever communicated to you that it is shameful or that it is against God's will to speak up about the harm that has been perpetuated against you. I just want to say shame off of you. Mm-hmm. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And that's why it's so important to know scripture um, as a Christian, because if we don't know the truth, then people can weaponize the word of God against us. And that's why it is really important to know the word. And that scripture has been really pivotal for me as I worked through, like you said, my childhood trauma, my abuse, my abandonment, my experience with the um, kinship placement in the foster care system and having to testify as a child against my abuser in court and all of those things have been really hard for me to reconcile a good God with a bad life. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could give a better, more rainbow answer of, but it's all good, but it isn't. Those things weren't good. And, and no amount of scripture is going to validate or co-sign or endorse the pain that you've endured. But I do have hope in knowing that God's word says he does work all things for the good, including our pain, Mm -hmm. including our heartache, 
including our trauma and our abandonment and our hidden shame and our secrets. The things that we do not deal with in the light will deal with us at night. And God is faithful to heal and bind up our wounds and our heartache. And that's a holy tension to live in because we live on earth and we have promises from God in God's word that we may not see come to be until we reach heaven. And that's the truth. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, I think that's really powerful. Um, I think it's probably a lot for people to, it's a lot for me to grasp. So I'm like, I'm sure a lot of people, it's hard for them to grasp. Um, but just regarding, we've talked about a lot of things. Um, for someone who is listening to this right now, um, I think we've already given practical tools, but just to kind of break it down a little bit, if someone's listening and they are curious and it's sparking curiosity, where should they start? I guess is the best question. Mm. I think that first and foremost, if you're curious and you have access to a local community of believers, of Christians, um, I would encourage you to seek out counsel, seek out, even if you haven't stepped foot in a church in a long time, go try to seek out connection. And and you're not always going to find the right church right away. But, and our answers are not always going to, it's not found within the walls of a church building, but scripture tells us that we can find comfort because we have access to comfort through the Holy Spirit. And I think a lot of our experiences of being wounded, it is very healing to have people come alongside you, hear your hurt, validate your pain, and hold you when you're hurting. And and not everyone, I recognize not everyone has access to a local faith community where they feel safe. And if that's you and you don't have a local faith community or uh, someone in your life who happens to say that they are a believer, that they're a Christian, and you can't reach out to them, you don't have someone like that nearby, seek out online community. If you can't find it in person, find it online. You can go to so many different resources like um, Life Church, the Bible app. Um, you can stream services online and you can read your Bible. That requires no one but you and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Like you can, if you don't have access to a Bible, but you've got an iPhone, get the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app. It's free, free resources. If you're if you're curious and, and you don't have access to a Bible or you don't have access to an online community or an in-person community, you know, there's so many things that you can do digitally. Like there's audio that you can listen to that have devotionals with scriptures that will help you digest and, and hear the truth, even if it's for the first time that are free and accessible to you right now in the palm of your hand. Yeah. And I think um, 
I think like, it's just also like such a lonely place to be without God. Like it really is. Like I think about like in this, there's a lot of people who are in court hearings um, week after or month after month because they're needing to uh, fight for like safety of their children or safety for themselves, or they're just healing from so much trauma and they're just like so tired, you know? Yeah. Like I'll follow along with their stories or like um, some of them, my mentor, and they're just exhausted. And I'm like, I just literally don't know what I would do without Jesus. Like I genuinely don't. Um, There's such a rest in him, but also like, I think in order to cultivate like a life that I genuinely love, like, I think I've realized that like in not knowing who I am in Jesus and not knowing my worth and my value, like that is going like that filter that you see yourself through is going to dictate the decisions you make. It's going to dictate the relationships that you entertain. It's going to dictate the friendships that you allow in your life or the lack of boundaries you may have, the job that you, yes. the inability to maybe apply for another position because you don't believe that you can, you know, succeed in this way or whatever that, that the education that you want to pursue, I don't, whatever it may be. Um, and it really is like this domino effect in your life and, and to be ordered to cultivate like a life that I think you love, it really does start with Jesus. And it really does start with knowing who you are in God and who he created you to be. And, um, I think this is just such a necessary space, um, a necessary conversation to have and leave here in this space because, um, I know there's a lot of people who are going to come on and then in the first 10 minutes, they're probably going to turn it off because they're like, ah, no, yeah, you're not for me, but I guarantee you there's always going to come that point again, where you feel like, why am I not fulfilled? Like, why do I feel so empty? Or like, God, like, I just feel like my life, it continues to be stagnant and I don't know how to like, you know, accelerate forward. And they're going to be like, Hmm, maybe I should listen to this episode or God's going to lead people to this episode, you know? Um, and so I'm just like, really, I'm, I'm eager for that. I think that there's like only so much that we can fit in an episode. And we could literally talk about this for hours and do like a whole series on it, because I think there's just so much to unpack here. Um, but I think it's going to like touch hearts in this space. Um, do you feel like for you that there's, I know, like we kind of jumped around a little bit, but I wanted to make sure that we got um, like some different parts in this and it wasn't just like one specific um because there's a couple topics I had wanted to touch base on do you feel like there's something like pretty vital that we're missing in this I want to speak to uh, there's a scripture and I don't think you need to be a Christian to appreciate this truth um and if you're curious about Jesus if you're if you're wondering about God um there's a scripture for you that I want to read that I want to leave on and it's for the weary and the wounded and the wandering. Um, and if that's you, if you feel like you're lost and you maybe you feel like you've wandered too far um, or maybe you're too weary and you're too tired and you feel like you're constantly being wounded. I want to read this to you. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. And this is the message version that I really do feel like, articulates this in such a tangible and poignant way. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? 
come to me. Jesus is saying, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's an invitation. And I just hope that you are in this place, if you're listening this long, that you would consider taking Jesus up on his offer to live unburdened. And if you're burned out on religion, I just want to remind you that relationship, Christianity, it means Christ, little Christ. A Christian means a little Christ. We're intended to be followers of God. And if you're burned out on Christianity, would you consider a relationship with him? If, if, if a church walls are, are intimidating or scary, triggering for you, which has been true for me in the past, would you consider praying? Would you consider Jesus and his invitation to help you to live freely and lightly today. You were made for so much more than looking for your worth and trying to find yourself, your identity. Who you are is not to be earned. Your worth is not up for grabs and it cannot be taken from you because it is found in Jesus. So good. Cassandra, thank you. I hope that wasn't too wordy. (laughs) It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, not like I that's like the whole point, you know, is like I want you to speak into the people here in this space. And I think like the right people are going to hear this. And I think that God's already working on their hearts before they're even listening to this, you know, and so um I'm ex- like I'm really eager for them to hear this um and I think it's going to touch a lot of hearts um it's definitely the most like Jesus I think I've talked about y- thus far on the podcast and I'm like ready for it I'm like open to it and I'm excited for it to see what God does um thank you like genuinely for joining me today um it's been just like so sweet to like hear a little bit of your story and what you've overcome and are still continuing to work through. But just, I don't know, this, this ministry that you've created alongside of your friend, I think it's it's amazing. It's incredible. And it's clearly impacting so, so many people. Thank you, Maya. Oh, it's my privilege, truly. Like, I'm really grateful for the work that you're doing and the advocacy and the amplifying of the stories of survivors and the resilience and the hope and the healing that you are pointing people to and coming alongside them in their heartache. I think it's really beautiful and it's really important. Mm. Well, thank you. Um, all right, guys, if you want to um, get in touch with Cassandra or just follow along on her journey, uh, her Instagram is Cassandra 
L. Spear. Um, you can purchase her book, um, Her True Worth. She's a co-author with, you said, Brittany. What's Brittany's last name? Mayer, M-A-H-E-R. And they can just find your book online, um, as well as Barnes & Noble, I think, sells it, right? Yeah, everywhere that books are sold. That's incredible, by the way. That's How does that feel, to have a, a to be a best-selling author of a book? Um, it feels surreal. Like if there's nothing else in my life, that's a testament to the existence of a God. It's being a bestselling author Mm -hmm. truly because, or even writing a book in general, um, because I failed most of my spelling tests as a child and, um, just really, really struggled, um, in school. And it's just a testament to who God is and, that it's not, it's not about where we came from. It's about uh, where we're willing to go. And, and God really has allowed me to do things I never thought possible. So it's a cool feeling. And it's, it's definitely anything good about me. I can just point back to God and so grateful that I get to do it. Cause I love writing and I love, I love what I get to do. Yeah. That's incredible. That's literally, I, yeah, I can't imagine um, and for people who want to join alongside of the online community as well, um, you can go to Her True Worth on Instagram um, and you can find a lot of encouragement there, a lot of reminders. Um, and then I think you guys have an online community as well, right? We do. Yes, we have uh, a fellowship group and we also have on Facebook and we also have an online community um, that is Uh, her true worth as well. And if you are someone who's not into long form reading, like chapter books, we also released a devotional this summer called there's beauty in your brokenness. Mm -hmm. And that might be for you. Yeah. Perfect. Um, All right. Again, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I'm really excited for people to listen to this episode and I just know it's going to impact hearts. Um, so again, thank you for taking the time to, to come on and speak to me. It is my honor. Thank you, Maya. Of course. Okay. Talk soon. Bye.